Welcome to the Cornerstone Vineyard Weekly Message Podcast. We are enthusiastic about all ages pursuing, experiencing, and having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open God's Word and seek His direction in our lives. Hey, we are going to jump into our teaching in just a moment. Before we do that, I wanted to uh, take a quick second and ask you about something. Um, And that is regarding these things right here. Uh, Some of you, if you were around in our last series that we did called The Art of Neighboring, you will recognize this. Uh, This was actually what is called a block map. And the idea with the block map was that uh, you would get to know the names of your eight closest neighbors uh, on your street or in your apartment building, those kind of things. Uh, The idea was to put this on in your refrigerator because it's a magnet. So you'd see it every day um, and remind you to pray for them and get to know them, those kind of things, in an ultimate effort to see what God might do in their life. And so the question is, how are you doing? I wanted to check in to see how you're doing, all right? Um, And so I hope that you're doing really well. We're gonna kind of bring this back every now and then over the course of the summer and into the fall um, because it wasn't just a three-week series you wanted to do. We really wanna see God change the lives of people. I know for our family, we were able to get ours filled in and uh, I was able to have a conversation just the other day with uh, some neighbors that moved in next door um, and they're renovating the house and they had this big humongous dumpster outside their house chunking all the the old stuff in. They're renovating, they're gonna move in this summer. Um, and then my wife had an opportunity to go and mow the lawn of, of someone uh, about over the cross street and down a couple houses. Uh, she's going through a tough time, and so she was able to serve that. And the cool part about all of it, and I hope you're experiencing the same thing, is that we're seeing a positive response from people. Like nobody's going, dude, that bald man's crazy, right? Um, I mean, really, like we're seeing a positive response from, okay, somebody said my mother-in-law is like, uh, you are crazy, right? Uh, but like people are really having a, oh, okay, it was my father-in-law, sorry, I, I stand corrected. Um, but it's so cool to see people, like it's, it's so cool that, you know, we can, all we're doing is just being neighborly and being nice and people are responding well and they, they like it and, and all that. So I would encourage you to keep pressing into that. If you haven't started yet, really do it. I think, I think you'll see some really cool results. And by the way, who knows what God will do? Right? Who knows what God will do in the midst of that? So with that, then, we are going to jump into our topic for the morning. Normally, this time, I would tell you to grab a Bible and turn to a certain chapter of Scripture, but today, we're kind of going to be bouncing around just a little bit. And so uh, you, best case scenario is probably you just follow along on the screen, or you can go to sermons.church on a browser on your device and search for Cornerstone Vineyard Church, and all the Scriptures and everything we're going to go through uh, will be there for you and fill in the blanks and all of that in our interactive message notes. Um, so as we jump in today, I want to, to get us started today, I want to have you watch a video clip. And to set up the video clip, this video clip is actually from uh, the 2016 Tony Awards. And what you're going to watch is a section of Lin-Manuel Miranda's acceptance speech uh, that he gave uh, while winning the best score for his play, Hamilton. How many of you guys have seen Hamilton? Anybody seen Hamilton? Yeah. Great play. And so uh, he get, get a lot of awards, all those kind of things. And so this is part of his acceptance speech uh, for that. Um, and then I'll make a couple comments and it'll kind of lead us into our topic today. So take a look at this. I'm not freestyling. I'm too old. Uh, I wrote you a sonnet instead. My wife's the reason anything gets done. She nudges me towards promise by degrees. She is a perfect symphony of one. Our son is her most beautiful reprise. We chase the melodies that seem to find us until they're finished songs and start to play. When senseless acts of tragedy remind us that nothing here is promised, not one day. 
The show is proof that history remembers. We live through times when hate and fear seem stronger. We rise and fall and light from dying embers, remembrances that hope and love last longer. And love is 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 love cannot be killed or swept aside. I sing Vanessa's symphony, Eliza tells her story. Now fill the world with music, love, and pride. Thank you so much for this. Okay. Amen. Now, so how, uh, how many of you guys saw uh, that from the 2016 Tony Awards? A couple of you guys in the room. Or you probably heard about it uh, because uh, it went kind of viral, right? Uh, it went on every cable news channel, uh, every uh, Facebook feed, all those kind of things. It kind of went uh, crazy. And I know it feels like in this series, uh, it feels like we just keep saying that things went viral, things went viral, things went viral, but because we live in that culture. But, um, and it didn't go viral because uh, of the sonnet that, that Lynn wrote, although I think it's kind of cool to accept a speech in a sonnet, all right? Matt Porman won't be doing that, all right? Um, but but uh, it didn't go viral because of the sonnet itself. It, it went viral because of one line in the sonnet, right? And that was this. This quote says, love is love is love is love is love is love is love. And because of that line, that one line right there, the internet exploded. Um, and the reason being, um, and the reason that Lynn included that line in the sonnet is because that day of the 2016 Tony Awards, news had broke of the Orlando nightclub shooting, uh, where, uh, just to remind you, a 29-year-old man killed 49 people and wounded 53 others in a mass shooting at Pulse, a gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida. I'm getting a little bit of ringing. Can we pull that down just a little bit? That'd be great, thanks. Um, so news broke of that that day. By the way, I'm just gonna say out loud, that's tragic. And not only tragic, folks, that is criminal, it is senseless, it's an act of hate. And which to that end, just a quick aside, and this has nothing to do with the teaching today, but I, I feel led to say this in this setting, folks, it is a reality that mass shootings are happening way too often in our culture. I was actually uh, sad last weekend when I stood on the st stage and I didn't even know about the new, uh, Buffalo shooting at the time. And folks, I, I, I want you to hear my heart. We should be praying. We should be praying for a broken world who needs Jesus. This kind of hate and shootings and all that kind of stuff, it shouldn't be happening. It, it, you know, just because of someone's perspective on, on something, a different viewpoint, it's just freaking crazy that we're living in a world like this. And I, want, I just want to say, and again, this doesn't have anything to do with Tuesday, I just felt like it's important for me to say, folks, the truth is acts of violence like that, white supremacy and racism, deep prejudice and discrimination, they are outside the will of God. Absolutely outside the will of God. And so we need to be praying. I know I found myself this last week just, just praying. I was on a retreat yesterday, and I was just praying at a certain point during that. I was like, God, just come and do a mighty work. And such, there just seems to be so much hate in the midst of the world. So again, that doesn't have anything to do with today, but I felt like I was supposed to say that. So with that said, let me get back to Lynn's quote today. To process what happened in that particular day, um, Lynn wrote and repeated the line, love is love. And he was getting emotional while he was reading it, lamenting the loss of life by such some, something so criminal in nature, which I think, by the way, we can all kind of agree, and so we're agreeing with the statement I just made, right? There's really no debate there. It was an awful thing, absolutely no doubt about that. 
But what did cause debate was, and still is, the wording of that quote itself, which is the whole reason I started with that this morning is because we're going to explore that today. We're going to explore that wording. Is love love? I mean, how can love be wrong? I'm sure you've probably heard that before, right? Love is love. How can love be wrong? If you've heard that, raise your hand. Okay, most of you have probably heard that, right? And so ask the question, like, can love be wrong? Can love be wrong? Well, today we're going to explore that, and we're going to look into some scripture that I hope will give us an informed decision on that particular question, all right? But first, let me remind you what we're doing uh, and what we've been in over the last few weeks. We are in a series here at the church called, Did God Really Say That? And what we're doing in the series is we're looking at uh, these statements that often are said in our culture, uh, maybe things about God, things like that, and we're really kind of lining them up with scripture to say, what does God really say? And so today we're going to explore, did God say love is love? And what did, what did he say? What does he say about that? All right, and so we're going to explore that today. And I'm going to say up front uh, that I'm going to intentionally leave some things unsaid today, okay? This idea of love is love is uh, primarily used when referencing in a discussion about the LGBTQ plus community. And though that's the case, that it is often used in reference to that, my goal today, and this is important for you to know my goal, my goal today is to examine, analyze, and dissect the statement of focus today, and that being, uh, love is love, how can love be wrong? Okay, so we're going to dissect that today. And we're going to put that up against Scripture, and we're going to see, okay, with that statement, what does the Bible say? Um, And so there will be some things, I'm going to give you a heads up, there are going to be some things that you'll have to decipher uh, while we walk through this, each and every single one of us, and there will be some things that you have to decipher as you walk away from this place today, okay? And so if there are more specifics, if you want more thoughts on my thoughts when it comes to uh, the LGBT community uh, or what the the church's response is and approach to that, um, I did a teaching a few years ago, you can write it on your handout if you'd like to, it's from September 27th of 2020, it's on our website, it's on our YouTube channel, you can go back and I, I, I cover that entire topic in detail. Okay, so you can go back and and pick that up if you'd uh, like to hear more of that on that. Okay, so that said, I want to pause and pray. How many of you we should pray today? Right, we should pray about this today. So uh, let me pause and pray, and then I'll give you a couple things to write down as we look at. Did God say love is love? All right, so let's pray. So God, we pause for a moment, and uh, not that we haven't already invited you into this space today, but God, this is a topic that is a challenge in our culture, and so God, we we absolutely invite you into this conversation. And we pray, God, that as uh, over the next few minutes go uh, on, that, um, God, only your spirit words will come out of my mouth. And, God, and only what uh, you want heard by the, by the spirit of God would come into the, the ears and the hearts of the people listening. And, God, we pray against any scheme of the enemy that would, that would co- try to take some of what's going to happen today and divide us and, and all of that. God, we pray against that in Jesus' name. And we do pray, God, that... Uh, that at the end of our time together, that there would be, uh, there would be a, a move of the needle to help us, God, um, be like Jesus. We say that every time we come together, but we just want to be Jesus. And we want to be more like Jesus as a result of our time together. So help us do that. Help me do that, we pray. Teach us something. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So what does God really say about love? First thing is, and this is first we got to establish this before we can get to anything else. You can write this in. God says love indeed is vital and important. You can write that in. Indeed, and vital and important. Now, uh, 
that being said, I mean, you know, some of you are like, oh, that kind of this is kind of a concept. That's not like a, uh, like a big aha moment, those kind of things. And beyond just knowing this and, and, and as I follow God throughout the years of my life, the first reason I came to this conclusion uh, this week as I was studying is because of how many times the word love is found in the Bible. I actually did, looked it up this week, did a little research, and found out that the word love is found in the Bible, listen to this, over 600 times. Over 600 times the word love. And so as we dive into what God says about love, we have quite a bit to work with. There's, there's quite a bit of things that we can walk through and, and move through in the scripture. With the sheer number of times love discussed, I think you can, you can, you're convinced that God thinks that it's important and indeed vital uh, for our life. I mean, it was something that occurs that many times, right? Uh, it, it feels like God's trying to say, hey, you have to figure this out while you're on this planet, this love thing, Okay. And maybe it's because uh, 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 it's, it's one of those things that there's probably many layers to it or, uh, or, or details to it. Or maybe it's because there, there's enough uh, verses in the scripture because God knows that we're going to mess it up a lot of the time. And so we need the repetition so we catch it and we get it, right? And I'd submit to you that I think it's a little bit of both, right? Love is complicated and there's layers and there's details. And ultimately, uh, we can sometimes mess it up. And so God indeed wants us to know, first and foremost, that love is vital. It's important, Okay. And it's in several different ways, right? But first and foremost, knowing that we are loved most of all by him, by God. It actually says in 1 John chapter 4, and I would encourage you to read the whole chapter, 1 John uh, chapter 4. Almost a whole uh, chapter is about this. But it says in 1 John 4, 16, it says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. And I love know and rely. That's a great word, rely. We can rely on his love for us. You can rely on his love for you. I can rely on his love for me because why? Because God, it says, is what? Is love. Because God is love. And so as we ask the question, is love, love? I, I, I'm not sure, but what I do know is that this, this scripture says that God is, God is love. It's where it starts. It's where it begins. It's where it's sustained. It's God. A few verses later, uh, or so earlier in, uh, in verse 10 of 1 John chapter 4, it says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, love was, his love for us was and is so important that he sent his only son to die for us. I call that pretty vital, Right? I mean, it has to be, right? Like if you're willing to, to, to watch your son die for the sake of someone else, by the way, I know many of you in the room are parents. For you, if you would put your, your child, your son or your daughter, and, and you knew that you were gonna watch them die for the sake of someone else, that person that you are, they are dying for would have to be pretty darn special. It's pretty vital. And, and so I was thinking about it this way. is like, folks, God loved us. God loves us literally to death. God loves you literally to death. His love for us is that vital and that essential in life that he would give his son for you and for me. But so God says that, yes, this is vital and whatever, and he even showcases that with his son. But he also says that love in this life with each other is important as well. It says in 1 Peter 4, 8, we actually looked at this uh, briefly last week as well, but 1 Peter 4, 8 says, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Amen. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, do everything. And that's, I love how when the Bible says everything, it means everything, right? So do everything, what? In love. Pretty clear how vital and important love is, right? If it's supposed to be above all and a part of everything. 
And then, of course, right, the most famous of love verses in the Bible, does anybody know? That's the most known scripture, yes. That is the, but what, like the love chapters. Anybody know the love chapter? 1 Corinthians 13, right? Now, this goes on. We're only going to read the first couple of verses, right? Um, it goes on where it says, love is patient, love is kind, blah, blah, all that kind of stuff, right? But we're going to look at the first three verses, right? 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3 says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And I underlined a couple of phrases while we were looking at that text. And the first one was, I do, if I do not have love, I am nothing. And then the second one there is, right, if I do not have uh, if I do not have love, I gain nothing. As I was studying this week, I, was, I discovered that the word have here in, the, in that 1 Corinthians 13 section, it, that word have could actually mean both possess for other people as well as have from other people. I actually looked up the word in the Greek. It's actually this word. It'll come up on the screen. And it's echo. And, uh, and echo means, a couple of the, of the meanings of echo means to have, to own, possess. To have, hold in the hand in the sense of wearing, which as I was studying that, I, I think that as I got, got to that point of like in the sense of wearing, it made me think that it indicates the possession for love for other people. It's like wearing it. It's like carrying ourselves with love, right? And if we don't carry ourselves with love, if we don't have love for other people, then, then likely it could mean that we don't really have much at all, is what the scripture says. But then as you look a little deeper into some of the meanings as well of the word echo, it also means to be closely joined to a person, used of those joined to anyone by, hand, by the bonds of natural blood or marriage or friendship or duty or law of companionship. And so as I was studying that, I was thinking, okay, so I think this also means that if we don't have love from others, if we don't have some level of companionship or at least some in life, then we indeed will be missing something, Right? It's like, I think, it, and this makes sense. I think it's, it, it, I thought about it like this. Like it's when, when a baby is born, right? Like the, 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 second they were, the second they come out of the womb, what do they do? What does the doctor do? Places the baby skin to skin with their mom, right? Why do, why do they do that? Because it's crucial, right? We found as we've done studies and stuff that, that the baby needs to know from the very second it is born that it is loved, right? So we understand this, right? It's important and vital to, to have, to, to possess love for other people, right? But it's also important to have love from others in this life. It is. I think we understand that. And we know that. But it's also important to note here in this particular text that the love discussed here um, that is important to possess for other people and to have from other people, it's a certain kind of love. One, by the way, that is non-romantic in nature. Okay, the Greek word used here is this word right here, agape. Now, some of you might know that already. You studied your Bible, and so you know a little bit more about that. You've maybe been around church, those kind of things. And so, so the, the, the word in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, by the way, every single time, that entire chapter, even the point we didn't read, right, it is agape love that is communicated, which is interesting because we often hear this at weddings. But it is agape love, Okay. And agape love, one of the commentaries I was reading this week, uh, agape could be kind of defined as charity love. 
And, but but I, and I kind of make, get, get a little bit idea of it, but, um, but I think in nowadays, right, we think of charity as like giving away money or, or things, and, and it doesn't really encompass all that like agape really is. And so let me read to you what, what I, another definition I found as I did some research. It says, agape love is unconcerned with the self and concerned with the greatest good of another. Agape isn't born just out of emotions or feelings or familiarity or attraction, but from the will and as a choice. Agape requires faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice without, listen to this, without expecting anything in return. To the Greeks, proper agape meant a general empathy or loving kindness for all people. And so, yes, it's important to possess agape for other people and from other people, but it is not romantic in nature at all. as it doesn't expect anything in return. I was thinking this week, like if you're in a romantic relationship, maybe you're in a, in a marriage, right? Uh, for an effective marriage re- relationship to work, right? There's probably some level of good expectation of your spouse, right? And, and vice versa, right? To, to be that, like, and so romantic love, there's going to be, some people are looking at each other back there and that's, <laughs> we should pray for them over there, <laughs> right? And so it's interesting that like, that like the agape love though, it doesn't expect anything in return. It doesn't expect anything. And, and agape love is the love that is most talked about in the Bible, agape love. And so I found it interesting in our context of our conversation today regarding whether love is love, there seems to be some level of distinction by the Greek words that are used throughout the scripture. There's some level of distinction. And actually to further that thought, I, uh, I found an article this week that uh, was based on the, the writings of theologian C.S. Lewis. And I will say up front, C.S. Lewis is smarter than me, all right? And so I found this, uh, probably you probably read some uh, things of C.S. Lewis, really great theologian, um, a lot of really great wisdom that God has given him as he was walking through life and all that. Uh, but it's, this article was talking about how C.S. Lewis identified four, and only four, distinct types of love in the Bible while he was studying Greek, which are these words, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to botch them because I'm not Greek, all right? But it's storage, philea, eros, and agape. All right, and so he identified these four uh, these four types of love. Okay, um, and I'm going to kind of run you through a Greek lesson this morning. All right, I know you didn't come for a Greek lesson. I'm going to give it to you anyway. All right, so we're going to look at storage, philea, eros, and agape. All right, so the first one is storage. Okay, so storage might also be called affection or familial love. This word isn't. This is what I found on online. Uh, this word isn't actually used in the Bible, but the concept, according to Lewis, is there. Storage is based on familiarity. A person will love their family regardless of whether they are uh, people that that person would be drawn to otherwise. It is a comfortable affection that can be taken for granted, but can also be very, very powerful. So he, he's identifying like this reality of like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's stories of scripture and families and all those kind of things. And so there's this idea of storage in the scripture. And then the next one is uh, philia. Now, some of you might know that as phileo, all right? It's also another form of, of that, right? And this is friendship love, okay? Friendship love, this word actually is used in the Bible, all right? In Romans 12, 10, Paul urges the believers to be devoted to one another in brotherly philia, right? Phileo. It can also be strongly associated with agape love, okay? It actually says in John, uh, I don't have this up there for you, but John 15, 13, Jesus said, there is no greater agape than to lay one's life down for one's friends. And so, so we see throughout scripture that, that this phileo, phileo love, this brotherly love is, is really, really important. And then the next word is eros, which is the, kind of the reason I'm walking this out today in the context of our dialogue. 
Eros is actually the, uh, the Greek word for romantic love. And, uh, and actually, it too is a word that uh, uh, doesn't appear in the Bible, which is interesting. And actually, it's interesting because though it, it's, the, the context, it says that it often plays out, though, a role in a lot of the problems of the Old Testament. I found that interesting. Um, eros encompasses sexual and romantic love and is the root word of the English word erotic. It is often associated with sexual desire and lust, but can also be a good thing in a marriage relationship when accompanied and bolstering with other kinds of biblical love. So that's eros. And I walk you through all that because regarding whether love is love in our topic today, there seems to be, there really does seem to be some level of distinction by the Greek words used throughout the scripture. And storage and eros, familiar love and romantic love, though those concepts can be inferred through the scripture, we see those concepts playing out in the Bible, okay? They aren't the focus of the love that has the most priority or needs the most attention, which is what? Agape, right? That is not the priority, how many of you know that that, that that's often gets messed up in our world? Right? The priority becomes like this romantic love and who's getting married, all, all those kinds. And so the, the priority goes, should be going to agape. And so, again, asking the question, is love love? Well, maybe not according to that train of thought. Vital and important, no doubt. Absolutely vital and important. But at the same time, there might be a level of distinction. Interesting to think about. So that's our first point today. God says love is, God says love is, indeed is vital and important. Second thing, you can write this in, and I'll give you a heads up. This is going to be the hard part. All right, God says love indeed can have a downside. That's supposed to say number two, not number one, so that's my fault. Sorry about that. God says love indeed can have a downside. Here's what I want to do for this point, as I want to look at three specific verses that bring me to this level of conclusion in regards to love having a downside. Uh, the first one being first, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It says this, it says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I want you to take notice, and I took notice as I was studying this week, to take notice of the word love there. But that love, the word love there being attached to a list of things that are the opposite of positive, meaning they're negative, right? Being driven by love, yes, but love for the wrong things. Folks, what this verse tells me as I was looking into it this week is that this point, point is that, that, that love, it seems like from this verse, can have a downside. I mean, that's a, that's a big list of things there. And then I went on to John chapter 3, verses 19, which says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. I'm gonna read that again. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. This is just a few verses after the most famous verse, John 3.16, that we mentioned a minute ago. And this, the idea, right, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he sent his only son to come, and light has come into the world. But it says of us, it says of human beings, right, that we loved what? We loved darkness 
By the way, we still love darkness, right? We've been talking in the series a lot about the fact that we as human beings, we are born into sin, right? We are bent towards dark things, the things that are opposite of God. And this verse says that we are, uh, are, are, are drawn to darkness instead of light. Speaking of our draw to sin. And, and so the reality is, is God, God doesn't want us to love sinful things, right? Things like, but yet we love to love sinful things. At least I do. I'm sure I'm the only one. Right? We love to love sinful things. So maybe that's things that we consume or do or participate in or like to say, gossip, blah, 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 blah. And the list could go on and on and on and on and on and on of things, right? Loving sin, even though we might hate it just a little bit, right, is the truth is, is that we actually do end up loving dark things. And so again, love, to me, from this verse can have a downside. And then the last one is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. We actually may have even seen this play out some in life. The love for money can bring quite a bit of downside of life for some people. That even goes on to describe this in a little bit of detail with the comment of pierce themselves with many griefs. And so again, I think there's a love can have a downside. And so what I think these three verses kind of brought me to this conclusion this week is that they're suggesting here is that some love, some love indeed can be wrong based on these verses. We, when we as humans get involved with what was in that very first verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and, and, and what it references there and falling into being mostly concerned, and I think that's important, when we're, we're mostly concerned with being lovers of ourselves, when we're mostly concerned about being lovers of money, when we're mostly concerned about being lovers of pleasure, which let's get real is the whole reason why this is even in our culture today and in conversation, right? Because there's a bent right now towards, I want to do whatever makes me feel good. I said in first service, that's a crappy way to live. I'm going to get hate mail for that one. <laughs> Folks, I'm, I'll just be really honest. We're going to get into something here in a second. It is a, if we are living in a world where like, I just want to make, I want to do whatever makes me feel good. I'm telling you, we're on our way of, of destruction. We are. And here's why, right? Because when we chase that ideology, right? Uh, when we chase the like, whatever makes me feel good, lover of myself, lover of pleasure, maybe lover of money, right? The, the, the reality is, is that, that that kind of love can indeed be wrong. And by the way, I'm going to say often is wrong. But then going by what I just said just a second ago, Matthew 16, verse 24 to 26 said, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, look at this, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to, look at this, gain their whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Folks, we know that a healthy, vibrant life has some level of denial. If we want to live a vibrant, healthy life, we got to have some level of denial in our lives, right? It's the, it's the reason why, like, I love Chipotle burritos, right? And I love that. But at some point, I got to have some denial or Matt's going to be really big, right? I got to have some denial because I want to be healthy physically, Right? And so, folks, the truth is, right, and we understand this, we get this, right? But, like, you want to save your life? You want to save your life? Lose it. Lose your life. Deny yourself the things of pleasure and money and all about you. Deny yourself. Matt Poorman, deny himself. 
And, and I think that, I think it's, I said this first service, I feel, feel like it's really strange that in some sense, as many of us, we've been following Jesus for a long time, we know some of this stuff, and yet we still oftentimes will pick the destruction and the challenge, right, rather than deny ourselves. Seems crazy. When we go that direction, when we love what we want to love and do what feels good and the money and the pleasure and the all about me stuff, it can literally only lead to challenge most of the time. And yet, what do we chase? Again, I'm probably the only one in the room. <laughs> I was thinking about it like this. It's like when people say this, they're like, just follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. I'm telling you, don't follow your heart, folks. The truth is, and some of you know this, your heart is deceptive. It will deceive you. Again, we already looked, right? We are bent towards darkness. We're born into it. Sorry, I'm yelling at you. It's, memorize this verse. This is a good verse. Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You see, if we follow our heart, if we, if we live in that way of life, folks, we will be in a, in a path of destruction if we follow our heart. But you know, instead of following our heart, you know what we should do? We should follow the one who knows not of deception. We should follow the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was, Jesus walked to this planet and he never sinned. He knew not of deception. I don't know about you, but I would rather follow uh, uh, when there, because I have been deceived by my own heart, have you not? Why in the world would I follow my own heart when I've been deceived by the before and I can look at Jesus and go, well, there's no deception there. I should walk this every time. Because here's the, the, the reality, folks. If we, if we rely on our hearts, you know what happens? Is that we get ourselves in some really crappy, messy situations. Right? I was thinking even relationally. Um, I'm going to give you two uh, stories in the scripture that I thought of this week that, man, got really messy um, because of following your heart to love. All right, and uh, you can look at these at your own time this week on detail. I'll give you just kind of the, the recap of them. But the first story is in Genesis chapter 27, and it's about two brothers, Jacob and Esau, and how a mother's love indeed goes wrong. Because out of her love for her one son, again, read the whole story on your own time, but, but uh, for her love for her one son, her favorite son, Rebecca, mom, uh, she develops this elaborate scheme to make sure uh, that, that Jacob gets the blessing instead of Esau. Which, by the way, was Esau's, or uh, was, was, uh, was his uh, right to have. It's quite a story. Um, she even kind of, this whole, again, elaborate scheme, right? She puts goat skins on, on Jacob and, and makes him feel like he's hairy like his brother. Uh, she coaches him what to say and what to do to deceive his dad. She deceives her husband. Her husband, why? For the sake of her son. That is messed up. Y'all aren't getting this yet. That is messed up. And the driving force behind the mess was, you got it, love, wrong love for her one son over the other and over her own husband. By the way, if you're, if you're a parent, your love for your husband or your wife should be more than that for your kids. I'm going to get hate mail for that one too. All right. <laughs> Man, I... That, that was a messy love and a wrong love. The next, next uh, thing that I thought about was a story in Judges chapter 16. It's about a couple named Samson and Delilah. Some of you might know this story. And we're told earlier in the story 
that Samson falls in love with Delilah. All right, Abby's going to come. We're going to get ready to close. But um, Samson falls in love with Delilah. But the whole rest of the story in, in Judges 16 is Delilah is trying to essentially manipulate Samson into telling her, revealing to her the secret of his incredible strength, which, by the way, he does. Long term, he, he tells her. But because he tells her, listen to this. Read the, again, read the story. He gets his eyes gouged out. He gets put into prison and he spends the rest of his life grinding grain in prison. His love for Delilah, I'll say it this way, his love for Delilah made him make some really bad choices. I was thinking this week, like, if I ever get a chance to, like, meet, like, people in the scripture, like, when we get to heaven, I don't know if we'll ever do that, but, but it'd be interesting to, like, sit down with Samson and be like, hey, tell me about that. And he would go, oh, that, that was, that was bad. And he would, I, he might even use the phrase, uh, Matt, you know, that, that love was wrong love. I think that Samson would say that that love was wrong. You see, love can, folks, have a downside. It can. And so to run with the assumption in this life that love is love, and, 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 um, and what we're looking at today, right, how can love be wrong? I'll say this way, and I don't want to say this with as much love as I can, but folks, to, to go with that ideology, it is indeed in error. Because their love can be wrong. When we're mostly concerned about being lovers of ourselves, and I would say Samson and Rebecca were kind of in that boat. We're lovers of ourselves and we're lovers of money and we're lovers of pleasure. The Bible supports the fact that that kind of love, that love can indeed be wrong. I know for me personally, and the worst of me is gonna come get ready. And I know for me personally, I was just thinking about this, kind of making this personal for me. Um, I know that I can fall prey to being a lover of myself. I'm sure you can too. I can be a lover of myself and I can be wrong. I can be selfish. I can chase after finances, love money and be wrong. I can be a lover of pleasure and be wrong. I was thinking this week about like for most of my life, I have struggled with the love of food. I was actually in a conversation this week about, I used to, and some of you probably heard this because I mentioned it in a message a while back, but I used to be in the, of the mindset that I'm, I, I, I will eat what I want and die happy. I was a lover of food. And still a lover of food. I would even say that there have been seasons of my life that I, and this is hard for me to admit, but I, I have loved sexual sin. There was even a time when I was in high school and college that I, and, and, and I, would, I would have never thought about it in the moment of describing it this way, but this is what it was as I look back as I loved pornography back then. Something that Lee and I have been talking about a lot, trying to pray about a lot, that, that one of the things that we've recently been kind of struggling with, we, the, the, you know the thing that we are currently loving right now that we hate the fact that we love is the fact that we love gossip. And those choice little morsels about everybody else. See, some of those things are just really messy, right? Maybe for you, it's loving money. It's greed. Maybe it's loving a substance. Maybe it's loving somebody that maybe you shouldn't love and the list could go on and on and on and on and on. But I think the key is to truly examine, this one I get to do is to truly examine, folks, what we are loving. All of us, you, me, our culture for sure. 
Not living in the falsity that love sometimes can't be wrong because the truth is it can't be wrong. I've, I've lived it. And we need to ask ourselves some questions that may tell us what side of love that we're on, right or wrong. Questions like this. I think we should ask ourselves, um, I feel like I'm loving this thing and, and ask, ask ourselves, do I love it because it's all about me? Do I love it because it's all about the money I get? Do I love it because it's about the pleasure? Is this mostly about me and about what makes me feel good? Can I say that if we're, and by the way, you have to be honest with yourselves and answer, ask that question. Okay, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves about that, folks, I think that that would be an indicator of what side of love that we're on, up or down. Are we following just our own heart or are we following the ways of God? Am I denying myself something? Because ultimately, if I'm denying myself nothing, I could be on the wrong side of love. I think questions like this will help us know when we're, when we're wrong, especially when it coincides with scripture that might actually attach to that as well. And so I think, and I'm gonna close with this, I think folks, it is worth considering what side of love that we're on. And considering where we want to be. Because as we look at the first point, and this is, this is where I wanna end. Folks, love is too darn important for us to be flipping about this. It's vital and important from God and from other people. It is too important. We saw that important. So we can't be flipping about how we handle love because it's that important. Thanks for joining us this week. We pray that you are challenged and blessed by this message and that you find application for it in your life as God leads you through this week. For more information about us, please visit our website at cornerstonevineyard.church.